0: section five of the black prophet by william carlton this librivox recording is in the public domain section five mave whose natural delicacy was tender and pure as the dewdrop of morning on hearing her praises thus uttered by the lips of a stranger blushed so deeply that her whole neck and face became suffused with that delicious crimson of modesty which alas is now of such rare occurrence among the sex unconscious that in doing so she was adding fresh testimony to the impressions which had gone so generally abroad of her extraordinary beauty and the many unostentatious virtues which adorned her humble life mave sullivan is my name she replied smiling through her blushes as to the nickname the people will call one what they like no matter whether it's right or wrong the people's seldom wrong then in giving names of the kind returned the stranger but in your case they're right at all events as any one may know that looks upon you that sweet face and them fair looks is seldom if ever found with a bad heart may god guard you my purty and innocent girl and keep you safe from all evil i pray his holy name the prophet's wife and mave exchanged looks as the woman spoke and the latter said i hope you don't think there's any evil before me who is there replied the stranger that can say there's not sure it's before us and about us every hour in the day but in your case darlin i just say be on your guard and don't trust or put belief in anyone that you don't know well. That's all I can say, and indeed all I know. I feel thankful to you, replied Maeve, and now that you wish me well, for I'm sure you do, maybe you'd grant me a favour. If it is within the bounds of my power, I'll do it, returned the other, but it's little I can do, God help me. Nelly said Maeve, will you go to the crossroads there and i'll be with you in a minute the crossroads alluded to were only a couple of hundred yards before them the prophet's wife proceeded and mave renewed the conversation what i want you to do for me is this that is if you can do it maybe you could bring a couple of stones of meal to a family of the name of of here she blushed again and her confusion became so evident that she felt it impossible to proceed until she had recovered in some degree her composure only two or three years are gone she continued there were the decentest farmers in the parish but the world went against them as it has of late most against everyone owing to the fall of prices and now they are out of their farm very much reduced and their sickness amongst them as well as want they've been livin she proceeded wiping away the tears which were now fast forming in a kind of cabin or little cottage not far from the fine house and place that was not long ago their own their name she added after a pause in which it was quite evident that she struggled strongly with her feelings is is dalton Oh was the young fellow one of them asked the woman that was so outrageous a while ago in the miser's i think i heard the name given to him oh i have nothing to say for him replied mave he was always wild but they say never bad-hearted it's the rest of the family i'm thinking about and even that young man isn't more than three or four days up out of the fever "'What I want you to do is to bring the mail "'I'm speaking of to that family. Any one will show you their little place "'and to leave it there about dusk this evenin', "'so that no one will ever know that you do it. "'And as you love God and hope for mercy, "'don't breathe my name in the business at all.' "'I will do it for you,' replied the other. "'But in the meantime, where am I to get the meal?' Why, at the miser's, replied Mave. and when you go there, tell him that the person who told him they wouldn't forget it to him, sent you for it, and you'll get it. God forbid I refused you that much, said the stranger, and although it'll keep me out longer than I expected, still I'll manage it for you, and come or go what will, without mentioning your name. God bless you for that, said Maeve, and grant that you may never be brought to the same hard pass that therein, and keep you from ever having a heavy or a sorrowful heart ah okushla ogie replied the woman with a profound sigh that prayer's too late for me anything else than a heavy and sorrowful heart i've seldom had for the last twenty years and upwards little but care and sorrow has been upon me indeed one might easily guess as much said mave You have a look of heartbreak and sorrow, sure enough, but answer me this. How do you know that there's evil before me, or about me? I don't know much about it, returned the other, but I'm afeard. There's something to your disadvantage, planned or plannin against you. When I seen you a while ago, I didn't know you till I heard your name. I'm a stranger here, not two weeks in the neighbourhood, and know hardly anybody in it well observed mave who had fallen back upon her own position and the danger alluded to by the stranger i'll do nothing that's wrong myself and if there's danger about me as i hear there is it's a good thing to know that god can guard me in spite of all that any one can do against me let that be your principal agar sooner or later the hand of god can and will make everything clear and after all dear he is the best protection blessed be his name they had now reached the crossroads already spoken of where the prophet's wife again joined them for a short time previous to her separation from mave whose way from that point lay in a direction opposite to theirs this woman said mave wishes to go to condy dalton's in the course of the evening and you nelly can show her from the road the poor place they now live in god help them to be sure replied the other and the house where they did live when they were as themselves full and warm and decent and it is a hard case on them god knows to be turned out like beggars from a farm that they spent hundreds on and to be forced to see the landlord Old dick o the grange now settin it at a higher rent and putting into his own pocket the money they had laid out upon improvin it and makin it valuable for him and his troth it's open robbery and nothin else it is a hard case upon them as everybody allows said mave but it's over now and can't be helped good nelly and god bless you and god bless you too she added addressing the strange woman whose hand she shook and pressed you are a great deal older than i am and as i said every one may read care and sorrow upon your face mine doesn't show it yet i know but for all that the heart within me is full of both and no likelihood of its ever being otherwise with me as she spoke the tears again gushed down her cheeks but she checked her grief by an effort and after a second hurried good-bye she proceeded on her way home that seems a mild girl said the strange woman as she is a lovely creature to look at she's better than she looks returned the prophet's wife and that's a great deal to say for her that's but truth replied the stranger and i believe it for indeed she has goodness in her face she has and in her heart replied nelly no wonder indeed that every one calls her the grey gal for it's she that well deserves it you are bound for Condy dalton's then she added inquiringly i am said the other i think you must be a stranger in the country otherwise i'd know your face continued nelly but maybe you're a relation of theirs i am a stranger said the other but no relation the dalton's proceeded nelly are decent people but hot and hasty as the sayin is it's the blow before the word with them always ah tut they say returned her companion that's a hasty heart was never a bad one many a piece of nonsense they say as well as that rejoined nelly i know them that it put a knife into your heart hastily enough ay and give you a hasty death into the bargain they'll first break your head cut you to the skull and then indeed they'll give you a plaster that was ever and always the character of the same daltons and if all accounts be true the hand of god is upon them and will be upon them till the bloody deed is brought to light how is that inquired the other with intense interest whilst her eyes became riveted upon nelly's hard features why a murder that was committed better than twenty years ago in this neighbourhood a murder exclaimed the stranger where when how i can tell you where and i can tell you when replied nelly but there i must stop for unless i was at the committin of it you might know very well that i couldn't tell you how where then she asked and whilst she did so it was by a considerable effort that she struggled to prevent her agitation from being noticed by the prophet's wife, why near the gray stone at the crossroads of Molly Benag, that's the where, and now, for the when asked the stranger, who almost panted with anxiety as she spoke, Let me see, replied Nelly, fourteen and six makes twenty, and two before that, or nearly I mean the year of the rebellion. Why it's not all out two- and-twenty years, I think easy said the other i'm but very weak and feeble will you just wait till i rest a minute upon this green bank by the road what ails you asked nelly you look as if you got suddenly ill i did get a little but it'll soon pass away she answered true enough she added in a low voice and as if in a soliloquy god is a just judge he is he is well but oh I'll soon get better. Well, but listen, what became of the murdered man? Was the body ever got? Nobody knows that. The body was never got. That is to say, nobody knows where it's now lying. Snug enough, too. Ah, thought the stranger, eyeing her furtively. Snug enough. There's more knowledge where that came from. What do you mean by snug enough? She asked abruptly. Mean, replied the other, who at once perceived the force of the unguarded expression she had used meanwhile what could i mean but that whoever did the deed hid the body where very few would be likely to find it her companion now stood up and approaching the prophet's wife raised her hand and said in a tone that was both startling and emphatic i met you this day as you may think by accident but take my word for it and as sure as we must both account for our acts it was the hand of god that brought us together i now look into your face and i tell you that i see guilt and trouble there ay and the dark work of a conscience that's gnawing your heart both night and day whilst speaking she held her face within about a foot of nelly's into which she looked with an expression so searching and dreadful in its penetration that the other shrunk back and felt for a moment as if subdued by a superior spirit it was however only for a moment the sense of her subjection passed away and she resumed that hard and imperturbable manner for which she had been all her life so remarkable unless like Etna and vesuvius she burst out of this seeming coldness into fire and passion there however they stood looking sternly into each other's faces as if each felt anxious that the other should quail before her gaze the stranger in order that her impressions might be confirmed and the prophet's wife that she should by the force of her strong will fling off those traces of inquietude which she knew very well were often too legible in her countenance you are wrong said nelly and have only mistaken my face for a looking-glass it was your own you saw all it was your own you were speaking of for if i ever saw a face that publishes an ill-spent life on the part of its owner yours is it care and sorrow i have had replied the other and the sin that causes sorrow i grant but there's something that's weighing down your heart and that won't let you rest until you give it up you needn't deny it for you can't hide it hard your eye is but it's not clear and i see that it quivers and it's uneasy before mine i said you're mistaken replied the other but even supposin you were not how is it your business whether my mind is easy or not you won't have my sins to answer for i know that said the stranger and God sees my own account will be too long and too heavy, I doubt. I now beg of you, as you hope to meet judgment, to think of what I said. Look into your own heart, and it will tell you whether I am right or whether I am wrong. Consult your husband, and if he has any insight at all into futurity, he will tell you that unless you clear your conscience, you'll have a hard deathbed of it. You're going to Condy Dalton's, replied Nelly with much coolness, but whether assumed or not, it is difficult to say. Look into his face, and try what you can find there. At any rate, report has it that there's blood upon his hand, and that the downfall of himself in his family is only the vengeance of God and the curse of murder that's pursuin him and them why inquired the other eagerly was he accused of it ay and taken up for it but because the body wasn't found they could do nothing to him may heaven assist me exclaimed the stranger but this day is however gods will be done and it will be done are you going i'm going replied nelly by crossin' the fields here i'll save a great deal of ground and when you get as far as the broken bridge you'll see a large farmhouse without any smoke from it about a quarter of a mile or less beyond that you'll find the house you're looking for the house where condy dalton lives having thus directed the stranger the prophet's wife entered a gap that led into a field and proceeded on her way homewards having ere she parted glanced at her with a meaning which rendered it extremely difficult to say whether the singular language addressed to her had left behind it any such impression as the speaker wished to produce their glances met and dwelt on each other for a short time the strange woman pointed solemnly towards the sky and the prophet's wife smiled carelessly but yet by a very keen eye it might have been noticed that under this natural or affected indifference there lurked a blank or rather an unquiet expression such as might intimate that something within her had been moved by the observations of her strange companion chapter ten the black prophet makes a disclosure the latter proceeded on her way home having marked the miserable hovel of condy dalton at present our readers will accompany us once more to the cabin of donald Dew, the prophet his wife as the reader knows had been startled into something like remorse by the incidents which had occurred within the last two days and especially by the double discovery of the dead body and the tobacco-box sarah her stepdaughter, was now grown and she very reasonably concluded her residence in the same house with this fiery and violent young female was next to an impossibility the woman herself was naturally coarse and ignorant but still there was mixed up in her character a kind of apathetic or indolent feeling of rectitude or vague humanity which rendered her liable to occasional visitations of compunction for whatever she did that was wrong the strongest principle in her however was one which is frequently to be found among her class i mean such a lingering impression of religious feeling as it is not sufficiently strong to prevent the commission of crime but yet is capable by its influence to keep the conscience restless and uneasy under its convictions whether to class this feeling with weakness or with virtue is indeed difficult but to whichsoever of them it may belong of one thing we are certain that many a mind rude and hardened by guilt is weak or virtuous only on this single point persons so constituted are always remarkable for feelings of strong superstition and are easily influenced by the occurrence of slight incidents to which they are certain to attribute a peculiar significance especially when connected with anything that may occasion them uneasiness for the time or which may happen to occupy their thoughts or affect their own welfare or interests the reader need not be surprised therefore on learning that this woman with all her apathy of character on the general matters of life was accessible to the feeling or principle we have just described nor that the conversation she had just had with the strange woman both disturbed and alarmed her on returning she found her husband and stepdaughter, both at home the latter hacking up some white thorn wood with an old hatchet for the fire and the other sitting with his head bent gloomily upon his hand as if ruminating upon the vicissitudes of a troubled or ill-spent life having deposited her burden she sat down and drawing a long breath wiped her face with the corner of a blue praskeen which she always wore and this she did with a serious and stern face intimating as it were that her mind was engaged upon matters of deep interest whatever they might have been what's that you're doin she inquired of sarah in a grave sharp voice have you no eyes replied the other don't you see what i'm doin where did you get them white thorns that you're cuttin up where did i get them is it ay i said so why where they grew ha 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 THERE'S INFORMATION FOR YOU, OH GOD HELP YOU, HOW DO YOU EXPECT TO GET THROUGH LIFE AT ALL, WHY AS WELL AS I CAN, ALTHOUGH NOT MAYBE AS WELL AS I WISH, WHERE DID YOU CUT THEM THORNS, I ASK, AND I TOLD YOU, BUT SINCE THAT WON'T SATISFY YOU, I CUT THEM ON THE WRATH ABOVE THERE, HEAVEN PRESERVE US, YOU HARDENED JADE, HAVE YOU NO FEAR OF ANYTHING ABOUT YOU? devil a much that I know of, sure enough. Didn't you know that them thorns belongs to the fairies, and that some evil will betide, any one that touches or injures a single branch of them?' "'Devil a single branch, I injured,' replied Sarah, laughing. "'I cut down the whole tree at once."t "'My soul to glory, if I think it's safe to live in the house with you, you hardened devil.' troth i think you may well say so after yesterday's escape returned sarah and i have no objection that you should go to glory body and soul and a purty piece of goods will be in glory when you're there ha 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 throw out them thorns i bid you why so don't you want them for the fire no matter for that we don't want to bring the good people this day's thursday the lord stand between us and harm amen about our ears out with them no the sour branch out with them i say are you afraid of neither god nor the devil not overburdened with much fear of either of them replied the daring young creature aren't you afeard of the good people then if they're good people why should we be afeard of them no i'm not put the thorns out i bid you devil a chip mother dear if your own evil conscience or your dirty cowardice makes you afeard of the fairies don't think i am i don't care that about them these same thorns must boil the dinner in spite of all the fairies in europe so don't fret either yourself or me on the head of them oh i see what's to come there's a doom over this house that's all and over some if not all of them that's in it everything's leadin to it and come at will why mother dear at this rate you'll leave my father nothin to say you're keepin all the black prophecies to yourself why don't you rise up man alive she added turning to him and let her hear how much the divil's lingo you can give it's hard if you can't prophesy as much evil as she can shake yourself ruffle your feathers or clap your wings three times in the divil's name and tell her she'll be hanged or if you wish to soften it say she'll go to heaven in a string ha 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 at this moment a poor famine-struck looking woman with three or four children the very pictures of starvation and misery came to the door and in that voice of terrible destitution which rings feeble and hollow for an empty and exhausted frame she implored them for some food we haven't it for you honest woman said nelly in her cold indifferent voice it's not for you now the hope of relief was nearly destroyed by the unfeeling tones of the voice in which she was answered she looked however at her famishing children and once more returned to the door after having gone a few steps from it oh what will become of these she added pointing to the children i don't care about myself i think my cares will soon be over go to the devil out of that shouted the prophet don't be tormentin us wid yourself and your brats didn't you hear already repeated his wife that you got your answer we're poor ourselves and we can't help every one that comes to us it's not for you now don't you hear that there's nothing for you again cried the prophet in an angry voice yet you'll be bothering us indeed we haven't it good woman repeated nelly so take your answer don't you know that's a lie said sarah addressing her stepmother you have it if you wish to give it what's a lie said her father starting, for he had again relapsed into his moodiness. What's a lie? Who? Who's a liar? You are, she replied, looking him coldly and contemptuously in the face. You tell the poor woman that there's nothing for her. Don't you know that's a lie? It may be very well to tell a lie to them that can bear it, to a rich boda or his proud lady of a wife, although it's a mean thing even to them, but to tell a lie to that heart-broken woman and her poor children her children aren't they her own and who would spake for them if she wouldn't if every one treated the poor that way what would become of them ay to look in her face where there's want and hunger and answer distress with a lie it's cruel cruel what a kind-hearted creature she is said her stepmother looking towards her father isn't she come here poor woman said sarah calling her back it is for you if these two choose to let you and your children die or starve i won't and she went to the meal to serve them as she spoke the woman returned and looked with considerable surprise at her but nelly went also to the meal and was about to interpose when sarah's frame became excited and her eyes flashed as they always did when in a state of passion if you're wise don't prevent me she said help these creatures i will i'm your match now and more than your match thank god so be quiet if i was to die for it you won't have your will now then said nelly die when you like then replied sarah but help that poor woman and her children i will fight it out said donald it's a nice quarrel although sal has the right on her side if you prevent me said she disregarding her stepmother, you'll rue it quickly or would i'm beginning to hate this kind of quarrelling here let me have as much meal as will make my supper i'll do without any for the sake of the children this night this was uttered in a tone of voice more mitigated but at the same time so resolute that nelly stepped back and left her to pursue her own course she then took a wooden trencher and with a liberal hand assisted the poor creatures who began to feel alarmed at the altercation which their distress had occasioned in the family "You're starvin children said she whilst emptying the meal into the poor woman's bag. May the blessing of God rest upon you, whispered the woman. You've saved my orphans. And as she uttered the words, her hollow eyes filled, and a few tears ran slowly down her cheeks. Sarah gave a short, loud laugh, and, snatching up the youngest of the children, stroked its head and patted its cheek, exclaiming, Poor thing! you won't go without your supper this night at any rate she then laughed again in the same quick abrupt manner and returned into the house why then said her stepmother looking at her with mingled anger and disdain is it tears you're sheddin cryin no less after that miracles will never cease sarah turned towards her hastily The tears in a moment were dried upon her cheeks, and as she looked at her hand, coarse but well-shaped features, her eyes shone with a brilliant and steady light for more than a minute. The expression was at once lofty and full of strong contempt, and as she stood in this singular but striking mood, it would indeed be difficult to conceive a finer type of energy, feeling, and beauty than that which was embodied in her finely turned and exquisite figure. Having thus contemplated the old woman for some time, she looked upon the ground, and her face passed rapidly into a new form and expression of beauty. It at once became soft and full of melancholy, and might have been mistaken for an impersonation of pity and sorrow oh no she exclaimed in a low voice that was melody itself i never got it from either the one or the other the kind or soft word and it's surely no wonder that i am as i am and as she spoke she wept her heart had been touched by the distress of her fellow-creatures and became as it were purified and made tender by its own sympathies and she wept both of them looked at her, but as they were utterly incapable of understanding what she felt, this natural struggle of a great but neglected spirit excited nothing on their part but mere indifference. At this moment the prophet, who seemed labouring under a fierce but gloomy mood, rose suddenly up and exclaimed, "Nelly, Sarah, I can bear this no longer. The secret must come out. I am stop screamed sarah don't say it don't say it let me leave the country let me go somewhere anywhere let me let me die first i am said he i know it replied his wife a murderer i know it now i knew it since yesterday morning give him justice said sarah now dreadfully excited and seizing him by the breast of his coat give him common justice give the man justice i say you are my father aren't you say how you did it it was a struggle a fight he opposed you he did and your blood riz and you stabbed him for fear he might stab you that was it aha i know it was for you are my father i am your daughter and that's what i would do like a man but you never did it ah you never did it in cold blood or like a coward "'There was something absolutely impressive "'and commanding in her sparkling eyes "'and the energetic tones of her voice "'whilst she addressed him. Donal said his wife, "'it's no secret to me, "'but it's enough now that you've owned it. "'This is the last night that I'll spend with a murderer. "'You know what I've to answer for on my own account, "'and so, in the name of God, "'we'll part in the morning.' "'Ah!' exclaimed Sarah, you'd leave him now would you you'd desert him now now that all the world will turn against him now that every tongue will abuse him that every heart will curse him that every eye will turn away from him with hatred now that shame and disgrace and guilt is all upon his head you'd leave him would you and join the world against him father on my knees i go to you and she dropped down as she spoke here on my knees i go to you and before you speak mark that through shame and pain and suffering and death i'll stay by you and with you but i now kneel to you what i hardly ever did to god and for his sake for god's sake i ask you oh say say that you did not kill the man in cold blood that's all make me sure of that and i'm happy i think you're both mad replied Donal. "'Did I say that I was a murderer? "'Why didn't you hear me out?' "'You needn't,' returned Nelly. "'I knew it since yesterday morning.' "'So you think,' he replied, "'and it's but natural you should. "'I was at the place this day, "'and seen where you dug the casheron. "'I have been struggling for years to keep this secret, "'and now it must come out. "'But I am not a murderer.' "'What secret, father?' if you're not a murderer asked sarah what secret but there is not murder on you do you say that i do say it there's neither blood nor murder on my head but i know who the murderer is and i can keep the secret no longer sarah laughed and her eyes sparkled up with singular vividness that'll do she exclaimed that'll do all right now you're not a murderer you killed no man either in cold blood or otherwise ha ha you're a good father you're a good father i forgive you all now all you ever did nelly stood contemplating her husband with a serious firm but dissatisfied look her chin was supported upon her forefinger and thumb and instead of seeming relieved by the disclosure she had just heard which exonerated him from the charge of blood she still kept her eyes riveted upon him with a stern and incredulous aspect speak out then she observed coolly and tell us all for i am not convinced sarah looked as if she would have sprung at her you are not convinced she exclaimed you are not convinced do you think he'll tell a lie on such a subject as this but no sooner had she uttered the words than she started as if seized by a spasm ah father she exclaimed it's now your want of truth comes against you but still still i believe you tell us all about it said nelly coldly let us hear all but you both promise solemnly in the sight of god never to breathe this to a human being till i gives ye's leave we do we do replied sarah in the sight of god we do you don't speak said he addressing Delly. i promise it in the sight of god he added for i know you ay said she in the sight of god since you must have it so well then said he the common report is right the man that murdered him is condy dalton i have kept it in till i can bear it no longer It's my intention to go to a magistrate's as soon as my face gets well. For near two and twenty years now, this secret is lying hard upon me, but I'll ease my mind and let justice take its course. Bad I have been, but never so bad as to take my fellow-creature's life. Well, I'm glad to hear it, said his wife, and now I can understand you and i am both glad and sorry exclaimed sarah sorry for the sake of the daltons oh who would suppose it and what will become of them i have no peace her father added i have not had a minute's peace ever since it happened for sure they say any one that keeps their knowledge of murder secret and won't tell it is as bad as the murderer himself there's another thing I have to mention, he added after a pause, but I'll wait for a day or two. It's a thing I lost, and as the case stands now I can do nothing without it. What is it, father? asked Sarah with animation. Let us know what it is, time enough yet, he replied. It'll do in a day or two. In the meantime, it's hard to tell, but it may turn up somewhere or other. I hope it may. For if it get into any hands but my own he paused and bent his eyes with singular scrutiny first upon sarah who had not the most distant appreciation of his meaning not so nelly who felt convinced that the allusion he made was to the tobacco-box and her impression being that it was mixed up in some way with an act of murder she determined to wait until he should explain himself at greater length upon the subject had sarah been aware of its importance she would have at once disclosed all she knew concerning it together with hanlon's anxiety to get it into his possession but of this she could know nothing and for that reason there existed no association in her mind to connect it with the crime which the prophet seemed resolved to bring to light when donaldew laid himself down upon the bed that day he felt that by no effort could he shake a strong impression of evil from off him the disappearance of the box surprised him so much that he resolved to stroll out and examine a spot with which the reader is already acquainted on inspecting the newly disturbed earth he felt satisfied that the body had been discovered and the circumstance joined with the disappearance of the tobacco-box precipitated his determination to act as he was about to do or perhaps altogether suggested the notion of taking such steps as might bring condy dalton to justice at present it is difficult to say why he did not allude to the missing box openly but perhaps that may be accounted for at a future and more appropriate stage of our narrative chapter eleven pity and remorse the public mind though often obtuse and stupid in many matters is in others sometimes extremely acute and penetrating for some years previous to the time laid in our tale the family of condy dalton began to decline very perceptibly in their circumstances there had been unpropitious seasons there had been failure of crops and disease among the cattle and perhaps what was the worst scourge of all there existed a bad landlord in the person of dick of the grange so long however as they continued prosperous their known principles of integrity and strict truth caused them to be well spoken of and respected in spite of the imputation which had been made against them as touching the murder of sullivan in the course of time however when the evidences of struggle succeeded those of comfort and independence the world began to perceive the just judgments of god as manifested in the disasters which befell them and which seemed to visit them as with a judicial punishment year after year as they sank in the scale of poverty did the almost forgotten murder assume a more prominent and distinct shape in the public mind, until at length it became too certain to be doubted that the slow but sure finger of God's justice was laid upon them as an additional proof that crime, however it may escape the laws of men, cannot veil itself from the all-seeing eye of the Almighty. There was, however, an individual member of the family, whose piety and many virtues excited a sympathy in her behalf as general as it was deep and compassionate this was mrs dalton towards whom only one universal impression of good will affection and respect prevailed indeed it might be said that the whole family were popular in the country but Notwithstanding their respectability, both individually and collectively, the shadow of crime was upon them. And as long as the people saw that everything they put their hand to failed, and that a curse seemed to pursue them, as if in attestation of the hidden murder, so long did the feeling that God would yet vindicate his justice by their more signal punishment operate with dreadful force against them, with the single exception we have mentioned. Mrs. Dalton, on her return home from her unsuccessful visit to the misers, found her family in the same state of grievous privation in which she had left them. Tis true she had not mentioned to any of them her intention of appealing to the gratitude or humanity of Skinodra, yet they knew by an intuitive perception of her purpose that she had gone to him and although their pride would not allow them to ask a favour directly from him, yet they felt pleased that she had made the experiment, and had little doubt that the miser, by obliging her in the request she went to prefer, would gladly avail himself of the circumstance to regain their good will, not so much on their own account as for the sake of standing well in the world, in whose opinion— he knew he had suffered by his treachery towards them in the matter of their farm. She found her husband seated in an old armchair, which, having been an heirloom in the family for many a long year, had, with one or two other things, been purchased in at the sheriff's sale. There was that chair which had come down to them from three or four generations. An old clock, some smaller matters and a gray sheep the pet of a favorite daughter who had been taken away from them by decline during the preceding autumn there are objects otherwise of little value to which we cling for the sake of those unforgotten affections and old mournful associations that invest indifferent things with a feeling of holiness and sorrow by which they are made sacred to the heart Condy Dalton was a man tolerably well stricken in years, his face was pale but not unhealthy looking, and his hair, which rather flowed about his shoulders, was almost snow-white, a circumstance which in this case was not attributed to the natural progress of years, but to that cankered remorse which turns the head grey before its time their family now consisted of two sons and two daughters the original number having been two sons and three daughters one of the latter having fallen a victim to decline as we have already stated the old man was sitting in the armchair in which he leant back having his chin at the same time on his breast a position which gave something very peculiar to his appearance as mrs dalton had occupied a good deal of time in unsuccessfully seeking for relief from other sources it is unnecessary to say that the day had now considerably advanced and the heavy shadows of this dismal and unhealthy evening had thrown their gloom over the aspect of all nature to which they gave an appearance of desolation that was in painful keeping with the sickness and famine that so mercilessly scourged the kingdom at large. A pot of water hung upon a dark, slow fire, in order that a little time as possible might be lost in relieving their physical wants on Mrs. Dalton's return with the relief which they expected. "'Here's my mother,' said one of her daughters, looking with a pale cheek and languid eye out of the door for she too had been visited by the prevailing illness and my god she's comin as she went empty-handed the other sister and con her brother went also to look out and there she was certainly without relief she isn't able to carry it herself said her father or maybe she's comin to get one of you con i suppose to go for it bad as skinadre is he wouldn't have the heart to refuse us a lock of meal to keep the life in us oh no he'd not do that in a few moments mrs dalton entered and after looking upon the scene of misery about her she sat down and burst into tears mother said the daughter there's no relief then you came as you went i see i came as i went nanty but there is relief there's relief for the poor of this world in heaven but on this earth and in this world there is none for us glory be to the name of god still so Skinadre refused then said her husband he wouldn't give the meal no she replied he would not but the truth is our woeful state is now so well known that nobody will trust us they know there's no chance of ever being paid and they all say they can't afford it i'm not surprised at what tom says observed our friend young Khan that the meal-mongers and strong farmers that keep the provisions up on the poor deserves to be smashed and tramped underfoot and indeed they'll get it too before long for the people can't stand this especially when one knows that there's enough ay and more than enough in the country if had tobacco said the old man i didn't care that would keep the hunger off of me but it's poor mary here now recoverin' from the sickness that i pity don't cry mary dear come here darlin come here and turn up that old creel and sit down beside me it's useless to bid you not to cry Macra, because we all know what you feel but you have one comfort you are innocent so are you all there's nothing on any of your minds no dark thought to lie upon your heart oh no no and if it was only myself that was to suffer i could bear it but to see them that's innocent sufferin along wid me is what kills me this is the hand of god that's upon us and that will be upon us and that has been upon us and i knew it would be so for ever since that black night the thought the thought of what happened i it's that that's in me and upon me and it's that that has put wrinkles in my cheek before their time and that has made my hair white before its time and that has condere observed his wife i never wished you to be talkin of that before them sure you did as much as a man could do you repented and were sorry for it and what more could be expected from you father dear said mary drying or struggling to dry her tears don't think of me or any of us nor don't think of anything that will disturb your mind don't think of the at any rate i'm very weak but i'm not so hungry as you may think if i had one mouthful of anything just to take this feelin' that i have inwardly and this weakness away i would be satisfied and would do me and although i'm cryin it's more to see your misery father dear and all your miseries than for what i'm sufferin myself but there's a kiss for you it's all i have to give you mary dear said her sister smote to the heart by her words you're sufferin more than any of us you and my father and she encircled her lovingly and mournfully in her arms as she spoke, and kissed her wan lips, after which she went to the old man, and said in a voice of compassion and consolation that was calculated to soothe any hearers, "Oh, Father dear, if you could only banish all uneasy thoughts from your mind, if you could only throw that darkness that's so often over you, off you, we could bear anything, anything, oh anything if we seen you easy in your mind and happy mrs dalton had dried her tears and sat upon a low stool musing and silent and apparently revolving in her mind the best course to be pursued under such circumstances it was singular to observe the change that had taken place in her appearance even within a few hours the situation of her family and her want of success in procuring them food had so broken down her spirits and crushed her heart that the lines of her face were deepened and her features sharpened and impressed with the marks of suffering as strongly as if they had been left there by the affliction of years her son lent himself against a piece of the broken wall that partially divided their hut into something like two rooms if they could be called so and from time to time he glanced about him now at his father then at his poor sisters and again at his heart-broken mother with an impatient agony of spirit that could scarcely be conceived well said he clenching his hands and grinding his teeth it is expected that people like us will sit tamely under such treatment as we have received from dick of the grange oh if we had now the five hundred good pounds that we spent upon our farm spent as it turned out not for ourselves but to enable that old villain of a landlord to set it to darby skinadre for i believe it's he that's to get it with strong interest going into his pocket for all our improvements if we had now he continued his passion rising if we had that five hundred pounds now or one hundred or one pound great god i or one shilling now wouldn't it save some of you from starving this reflection which in the young man excited only wrath occasioned the female portion of the family to burst into fresh sorrow not so the old man he rose hastily and paced up and down the floor in a state of gloomy indignation and fury which far transcended that of his son Oh, said he, if I was a young man as I was once, but the young men now are poor, pitiful, cowardly, I would I would he paused suddenly, however, looked up, and clasping his hands, exclaimed, Forgive me, O oh God, forgive the thought that was in my unhappy heart. Oh, no, no, never, never allow yourself, Con, dear, to be carried away by anger. For afraid you might do in one minute or in a short fit of anger what might make you pass many a sleepless night and maybe banish the peace of god from your heart for ever god bless you for them last words condy exclaimed his wife that's the way i wish you always to speak but what to do or where to go or who to turn to unless to god himself i don't know we're come to it at last said their daughter peggy little we thought of it but at all events it's better to do than to do worse better than to rob or steal or do an undecent act of any kind in the name of god then rather than you should die of hunger mary you and my father and all of yous i'll go out and beg from the neighbours beg shouted the old man with a look of rage beg he repeated starting to his feet and seizing his staff beg, you shameless and disgraceful strap do you talk of a dalton going out to beg take of that and as he spoke he hit her over the arm with a stick he always carried now that will teach you to talk of beggin' now no die die first die at once. but no beggin' for any one wid the blood of a dalton in their veins death death a thousand times sooner father oh father father why why did you do that exclaimed his son to strike poor kind and heart-broken peggy that would shed her blood for you or any of us oh father i am sorry to see it the sorrowing girl turned pale by the blow and a few tears came down her cheeks but she thought not of herself nor of her sufferings after the necessary pause caused by the pain she ran to him and throwing her arms about his neck exclaimed in a gush of sorrow that was perfectly heart-rending to witness oh father dear forgive me your own poor peggy sure it was chiefly on your account and mary's i was goin to do it i won't go then since you don't wish it but i'll die with you the old man flung the stick from him and clasping her in his arms he sobbed and wept aloud my darling child he exclaimed that never yet gave one of us a bad word or angry look will you forgive your unhappy father that doesn't know what he's doing oh i feel that this state we're in this utter desolation and misery we're in will drive me mad but that hasty blow that hasty blow and the hot temper that makes me give it is my curse yet has always been my curse and ever will be my curse it's that curse that's upon me now and upon all of us this minute it is it is condy said his wife we all know that you're not as bad as you make yourself within the last few years your temper has been sorely tried and your heart too god knows for our trials and our downcome in this world has been great in all these trials however and sufferings it's a consolation to us that we never neglected to praise and worship the almighty we are now brought almost to the very last pass let us go to our knees then and throw ourselves upon his mercy and beg of him to support us and if it's his holy will to aid us and send us relief oh mary dear exclaimed her husband but you are the valuable and faithful wife if ever a woman was a protectin angel to man you were to me come children in the name of merciful god let us kneel and pray the bleak and depressing aspect of twilight had now settled down upon the sweltering and deluged country and the air was warm thick moist and consequently unhealthy the cabin of the daltons was placed in a low damp situation but fortunately it was approached by a remnant of one of those old roads or causeways which had once been peculiar to the remote parts of the country and also of very singular structure the least stone in it being considerably larger than a shilling loaf this causeway was nearly covered with grass so that in addition to the antique and desolate appearance which this circumstance gave it the footsteps of a passenger could scarcely be heard as they fell upon the thick close grass with which its surface was mostly covered along this causeway then at the very hour when the daltons moved by that piety which is characteristic of our peasantry had gone to prayer was the strange woman whom we have already noticed proceeding with that relief which it may be god in his goodness had ordained should reach them in answer to the simple but trustful spirit of their supplications on reaching the miserable-looking cabin she paused listened and heard their voices blend in those devout tones that always mark the utterance of prayer among the people they were in fact repeating a rosary and surely it is not for those who differ with them in creed or for any one who feel the influence of true charity to quarrel with the form of prayer when the heart is moved as theirs were by earnestness and humble piety the strange woman on approaching the door more nearly stood again for a minute or two having been struck more forcibly by something which gave a touching and melancholy character to this simple act of domestic worship she observed for instance that their prayers were blended with many sighs and from time to time a groan escaped from one of the males which indicated either deep remorse or a sense of some great misery One of the female voices, too, was so feeble as scarcely to be heard, yet there ran through it she felt a spirit of such tender and lowly resignation, mingled with such an expression of profound sorrow, as almost moved her to tears. The door was open, and the light so dim that she could not distinctly see their persons, two circumstances which for a moment induced her to try, if it were possible to leave the mail there without their knowledge she determined otherwise however and as their prayers were almost immediately concluded she entered the house the appearance of a stranger in the dusky gloom carrying a burden caused them to suppose that it was some poor person coming to ask charity or permission to stop for the night who is this asked condy some poor person i suppose acts in charity he added but god's will be done we haven't it to give this many a long day glory be to his name this is condy dalton's house said the strange woman in a tone of inquiry such as it is it's his house and the best he has my poor creature i wish it was better both for his sake and ours he replied in a calm and resigned voice for his heart had been touched and solemnized by the act of devotion which had just concluded mrs dalton in the meantime had thrown a handful of straw on the fire to make a temporary light here said the stranger is a present of meal that a friend sent you meal exclaimed peggy dalton with a faint scream of joy did you say meal she asked i did replied the other a friend that heard of your present distress and thinks you don't deserve it sent it to you mrs dalton raised the burning straw and looked for about half a minute into her face during which the woman carried the meal over and placed it on the hearth i met you to-day i think said mrs dalton along with donald dew's wife on your way to Derby Skinadra's." you might replied the woman for i went there part of the road with her and who are we indebted to for the present she asked again i am not at liberty to say replied the other barrin that it's from a friend and well-wisher section five